<laughs> for my strength finder. Hey, security peeps, we are here having a good time already live again in our special edition, the Super Recruiter series. And I am the Super Recruiter for today. And Chris is our honorary Super Recruiter. And we have Alicia Curry back with us. So as you all know, I'm Renee Small, breaking into cybersecurity podcast series. This is a special edition where we will have um, discussions around with Alicia around um assessments. And Alicia was was here last week and she's going to be, you know, I'll have her jump in in a second. But Chris, say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. My co-host and brother from another mother. And Alicia, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. So I'm Alicia, to be back. I know. Last week was so much. I mean, there was so, so much engagement and people had such a good time. They wanted to learn all about what you did. So Alicia, jump right in. Talk to us about the um, about what you do, assessments, and how they're being used in companies right now for interviewing and for um, just leadership development, things like that. Great. Thank you again for having me back. I'm so excited. You know, that people invite me back. That means I actually did something. <laughs> so I'm I'm my name is Alicia Curry, as you said, and I am a Colby certified consultant and we use Colby it's a it's an assessment tool that really identifies your actions based on your instinctive strengths so there are three parts to the mind there's the cognitive which is the thinking the affective which is the feeling and then the conative, which a lot of people don't know about, which is the doing. How do you do what you do? And that is really instinctive to you, how you solve problems and strive. And so with Colby, what we do with companies is we're able to really identify those innate strengths that you have. And through the hiring process, we can really let you know if the person you're looking to hire will execute what you need them to execute. A lot of times people will want a job, they're very motivated to get a job and they will look good, they will say all the right things, they'll 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 be like the superstar and then 6 months later you're like what happened? What happened? We we thought you were such an amazing uh recruit for us because the motivation that they had to get the job started waning. And, and what you're left with is their their action mode. How are they going to take action? And if that's not in alignment with the actual job that you have for them, then there could be opportunities to overcome. You start getting overwhelmed in your job. You start getting stressed. You start getting fatigued. And you're not performing at your uh, optimum anymore. So in the hiring process, it's really great to do this type of cognitive assessment, because then you actually, you really will pinpoint if someone will do what you need them to do. In the leadership uh, side of it, if you need someone to understand, if you, you need, um, you wanna promote someone into leadership, you wanna to create that opportunity for them Again, if you're shifting them from one type of action, let's use an example of someone who is a top-notch salesperson and they're out there and they're selling and they're, they're a rock star. And now you want them to 
be in the office as a manager of salespeople. And now you switch their role from actually doing the sales, doing um, being out there and being out, out in the field to sitting behind a desk and doing paperwork, you have actually changed their action mode. And now if, the, if that doesn't line up with them, suddenly this superstar rock star that you had as a salesperson, you're like, why aren't they a good leader? Why can't they, um, they were so great at what they did, but you inadvertently um, switched the actions that they have to do and not really um, know that whether or not they'd be good at paperwork, whether right. they'd be good at being in an office all day and, and training people. So it's really valuable to know where someone's innate skills are, where their innate strengths are, so that you can really position them to be the best, the most productive, the, and give you the highest performance that they can give you, and they'll be happier, healthier, and so much more productive. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. Right, and I know that you described what tends to happen a lot, especially with technology professionals. If, you know, and as you know, we're in the cybersecurity space, but if you're really, really, really great technically at what you do, what um, tends to happen is you do get promoted. So you do a phenomenal job as whatever you're doing technically, the, the manager, the leader, you know, says the executive says, oh, wow, you know, Chris is amazing. Let's bring him up and move him into managing other people. But Chris's real strength is doing the thing, you know, managing the people. He doesn't like to do that. He's not interested in timesheets and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. He, he wants to do his, you know, what he does best. Mm -hmm. And so we see that happening a ton. And, and what, what are the things that I really like about what organizations have done over the years is some sometimes the only way to grow would be to have to go into managing people. But mm -hmm. in the technology space, they have great tracks now where you can go up the, you know, you can still be a senior technologist, like get more and more and more um um, have a deeper strength and go up the ladder, so to speak, right? Base, but just stay technical. You're just getting more and more um, proficient in what. And that's where your value really is. You're you become a master at what you do in that space. And even if you do promote them to leading a team of people, understanding the team dynamics is so valuable. That's another another really uh, benefit of Colby is understanding team dynamics so that now they're not the only one trying to manage all this stuff. If, if you know someone on your team is really that follow through person that will be great at the paperwork, well, they can be assigned the timesheets and the paperwork and doing those things because that's where their strength lies when your strength might be might lie in actually training other people how to do what you do and all that other stuff is and then i would differentiate between being a manager and being a leader so being a leader is understanding the team dynamics helping to motivate people to do what needs to be done mm -hmm. whereas sometimes being a manager is doing all the managerial stuff like the timesheets and the paperwork and um there's people that hate doing that um but you're good at everything else you're good at the doing you're good at leading the people uh, but you're not good at the the minutia that tends mm -hmm. to come with that level of responsibility Exactly. And understanding that that is who you're working with, either giving them more latitude 
to get it done or allowing them the opportunity to have someone who's who that really is in their wheelhouse to do, allowing that shared work to be done so that it is getting done and it's getting done at a high level because that's really where their strength lies. So if that's really where someone's strength lies, they will do it so much faster than you would do it. It'll take you probably all day to slough through all of it and it'll take them like an hour to get all of it done. And so really understanding how to manage that time and how to manage those opportunities is where Colby Colby gives you that insight so that you can you can delegate things more effectively. So one of the things that, that you mentioned or that the conversation that I was having that, that was happening before we went live was in COVID with either uh, diminishing budgets and reducing team size, how do you best allocate um, the remaining work amongst the rest of the people? Um, and and you mentioned that, that Kobe can help with that, but um, what are some of the, the best ways for managers to to understand what what are the instinctual backbones of a task so that they could best assign it? Ah, that's a good thing because with Colby, there are three assessments. There is the A assessment, which is the personal assessment you take on yourself to, to understand who you are. So that's your reality. There's a B assessment, which is what you do every day. So it's your perception of your job that you have to do every day. And then there's a C assessment, which is your manager or supervisor's assessment, um, sorry, perception of what you do every day. So with a manager, what we do is we do that C assessment. We have a consultation and we really drill down, what do you need this person in this position to do every day? that would be success in this job. So it's up to them to really design what needs to be done to, to understand. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't think a lot of people really drill it down like that. Like they don't really sit down and think about what is, what does success look like in this position? What do they have to do every single day, every week that has to get done? Like, the actual doing, what activities need to be done that is success in this position. So that when the person comes in, they don't now start having their own perception of what it is they have to do. It's actually the job, it's not like just a vague job description, it is really laid out. And what helps with that too, is that when you are interviewing for that job position, you really know what you want, what you're looking for. And then when we match that Colby A to that C, we, we get to really know, yes, this person is in alignment with what you need them to do versus, well, I think they can do the job, you know. Um, so you really now have someone not just qualified by their resume, not just you get along well in the interview, but you know that they're going to do the tasks that need to be done. So that Colby C is very, very vital for managers and leaders and, and supervisors to be able to drill down the exact tasks that this job will be successful in this job. I, I'm sure Renee sees this all the time with managers not knowing exactly what but needs to be in the job description, what they, they need from a person, like all oh these God. things. It's, it's, it, you know what's fascinating? 
I saw, I, I put up a post this week and asked for people's comments and questions around what they want to learn more about. And one of the things that came up was around job descriptions and what managers look for. And consistently, people tend to blame HR. They're always like, oh, HR needs job descriptions. And I am working on right now, I'm going to do a presentation on this live. One of these, some, I was trying to do it this week, but it'll probably end up being next week, where we can walk through what really happens. Like, the manager writes the job description. The leader writes the job description. HR is at the end of the process. HR is like, okay, I came to HR and 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 it's done. It's baked. And then HR can help tweak it, kind of look over it again, make sure, add in certain, certain verbiage, make sure it has the right language, that kind of stuff. But overall, HR isn't sitting around writing job descriptions. But I so, know what happens. As a busy manager, you go out on the internet and you research a generic job description and you copy and paste it and you're like, I don't have time to do the rest of it. Let right. HR tweak it and, and and address it and then nothing happens and the cycle just continues. <laughs> For real. So no one's really looking at what is the result that we need to happen on a daily, weekly, monthly, you know, what does success really look like? And then let's work it backwards. Let's really see what tasks need to be done on a monthly basis, a weekly basis, a daily basis. And then that's now, that becomes your job description of right. what you actually have to do in your job. Right. So Ben says, um, do you recommend occasionally retaking these sorts of personality tests? Do results differ for the same person over time? That's a great question. That's a great question because I can make the distinction. This is not a personality test. So personality tests do change from time to time based on where you are in your life and um, what your experiences have been. So something that was really, really uh, important for you in your 20s when you were working in your 40s may not be the same priority that you have it, and even in the position that you're in. So you may need to, to, to harness like uh, strength finders have, what is it, 30, 30, um, 30 strengths, but your top five shift based on where you are and what, what needs you have at that time. So you can pull something else within your top 10. Those top 10 will probably rotate a lot. Um, the Colby assessment is not a personality assessment. It is a cognitive assessment. It's been around for 40 years and it is has been validated and the test retake um, statistics is a one to two variable. Very, uh, it's very seldom that someone will actually jump an action mode from resistance to initiating. Where you are is typically where you'll be. And um, like I said, it's like a one to two point variable over a 40 year span. People, they've had a, a, a like a control group retake the test every 10 years and it hasn't really changed that much. So when you take it, who you are, even if you took it as a child, um, they don't recommend taking it until you're in high school, but from that age onward, you're, you're pretty much, your action, is, your action mode is your action mode. These are your instincts. This is how you will always look to solve problems. This is the pattern, the predictable pattern that you will have. So someone who is a, let's say, um, uh, counteracting quick start, which means you, you are stabilizer. You always look for stability. 
You're always the one that, that looks at what's working and keeping that working. You will not become someone who is a risk taker um, generally. So you may take risks once in a while in your life, but generally you won't become that ideation person, that person that's always looking to move and change and, and switch up and, and take chances and take risks. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. So Alicia, what, you said what age? At what age? Uh, high school, well, they can do it from, I think, 13 and up. Mm -hmm. um, they, they typically recommend that you do it in high school. Mm -hmm. That way, where you are in high school and then when you start working, there, you kind of already have a, 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 a benchmark of what your skill, what your, I don't want to use the word skill, what your strengths are, because it's yeah. very different, what your instincts are. I've heard uh, some some people say kindergarten teachers know they they know kids from kindergarten. You know, well, it's been, kind of... I'm glad you said that because Kathy Colby, who who developed this system, she was a teacher, a school teacher, and that's where she saw it. Her father was the Wonderlick was her, her maiden name was Wonderlick, so her father started the Wonderlick assessment, which is a cognitive assessment, and being that she was. Um, she had dyslexia, severe dyslexia. She always felt that there was another way to measure someone's uh, someone's strength other than your cognitive strength, um, other than cognitive. So as a school teacher, she started noticing that when she gave kids stuff to do and they didn't have any kind of direction or instruction, they would always solve the problem the same, like each kid will always they had a go-to every single time. And she started to track that go-to. She's like, this one would solve it this way. This one would solve it this way. And that's kind of where that came from. What is your instinct to solve problems? And she started doing a lot of research into the cognitive part of the mind. Very interesting. Um, um, okay. So, um, for I think it's most for me, but I'm gonna go down. Hold on one second here. Um, people are asking about. Um, so Ben says thank you for the answer and clarification of the type of assessment. So there's some questions here that are mostly kind of focused on, um, you know, HR related stuff, which is fine. So I'll jump in. Uh, Goberto wants to know. He says I've been technically minded have held a couple of technical positions. I'm trying to now break into cybersecurity, have had a couple of interviews, but thinks his lacking of experience, but his lack of experience in that specific field is hindering him from getting in the door. He thinks because he's pretty eager to get in the field, it probably shows and he's not speaking as confidently. So I think he's getting nervous. Um, so he said he knows uh, he would excel, but communicating that is a hard part. Do we think that hiring ma managers take that into account? So um, I'll answer this. I think that there are managers, everyone knows that people are nervous on interviews, like interviewing, you know, most people aren't just professional interviewers going out there and interviewing over and over again. And even the ones that do interview um, can't- <laughs> I do this every day. <laughs> can't get caught up in, in interviewing. Um, and so the one thing I would say, Gilberto, is that Remember that an interview is um, a two-way conversation. 
So it's not, you know, you want to you want to have questions prepared for you want to be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you and thinking about it as like tossing a ball back and forth. So if you're playing tennis and, they, you know, the ball is going back and forth um, and they are and you're kind of asking them more about the, you know, their culture, what's happening inside of their organization, how the leader leads um, and. I think that the more you, I mean, interviewing is just nerve wracking. It is what it is. And I know people try to put their best foot forward, but the best interviews are when you're going back and forth and the managers are talking too. You don't want to, you don't want to feel like it's not an interrogation. Like they it's, not an interrogation. Question, it's not an interrogation. It's not an interrogation. Yeah. I, I look at it like talking to a friend. So I pretend that that manager is um, possibly a future friend. So I want to be comfortable with them, um, have that conversation back and forth. And if it, practice makes perfect. So if it means you have that mock interview with your friend um, who's pretending to be a hiring manager or someone, one of your peers that understands the search that you're going through, I think that will help. Um, because oftentimes I know they don't engage in those types of conversations until it's the interview. So it might be once every four or five years or once every two or three years, um, but that's a long time not to have practice. Yeah. So ha have practices on a regular basis, treat your one-on-ones like an interview, treat all sorts of different events in your life like an interview, and then it just becomes normal for you. Yeah. Can I also chime in a, a second? Cause the, I also believe that when you really understand what you bring to the table, whether you have experience in it or not, when you understand, and I'm not just talking about your cognitive strengths, because that's important too, because when you understand what you can, what you are innately wired to do, and you can articulate those strengths, and you can also articulate other strengths that you have. So you know what you're bringing to the table of this for this organization, and it is a benefit for them um, when you can see yourself as, listen, they'll be, they would be so, it would be so valuable to them to have me on their team. You really approach it from a different perspective. And I'm not saying it in an arrogant way or in a cocky way, but in a self-assured way that whether you get that opportunity, whether they offer you that job or not, they know you're leaving this interview, them knowing, listen, this guy or this girl brings xyz to the table maybe this position's not right for them but something else might come up that they'll say you know what we interviewed such and such uh, a couple weeks ago they'll be perfect for this so always leave them feeling like you would be such a value to them even if not for this position because now you're becoming top of mind to them and not maybe for this position but something else might come up that they you'll be the first person they call so um, don't be nervous. Really understand who you are and the strengths that you have that you bring to the table. And yeah, yeah. Also have that conversation with them to where you acknowledge that, hey, you might not be the right fit, but these are the other skills that you bring to this. If they don't have a role right now, um, think of them for the future. Like if you feel during that interview that it's not the best fit for you, not the best fit for them, it's time to have that conversation. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I really like the company. I really like the culture. I really like 
what the mission behind this organization is. And it sounds like we're not clicking on this particular position, but um, I'm still interested in having conversations about other roles. And then that's how you can open up that conversation. And it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it goes to Lewis as, is asking a question. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Lewis Awa. He says, most technical interview ask questions on topics. They're prolific, but not part of, I know Chris has to jump. Bye, Chris. Mm -hmm. So um, Lewis says, most technical interviews are asking questions on topics that they're prolific, but not part of the job description. How do, how do you want to approach that? And it's kind of the same thing, you know, what Alicia was just saying, like you want to make sure, and Chris, you want to make sure that you are sharing what your strengths are, um, clarifying the questions. Sometimes they ask questions and it, you might not understand fully what they're looking for. Um, one, like ask for a for instance. Give me an example of what you're talking about example. so that you have context for what it is that they're they're actually asking. It's a great point. I, I'm I'm huge on that. I, I I live by examples. Like explain it to me. Give me an example. Um, however way you process information, you want to be able to ask them what do they mean. You want to be able to you want to make sure that you're answering the right question. So um, these are all like you know really good questions. Yeah, clarity and communication in an interview is very very important because like you said, they might ask a technical question. And their terminology in their culture might be different than the terminology that you just came from. So they may say something that you don't understand, but you've been you've done it a hundred times, just that you don't really understand the way that they're explaining it to you. So I literally that happened with a candidate I was dealing with last week. Exact same situation. He the way that the leader in this one particular group had a different definition of the, the um, it was vulnerability management, had one specific definition of it. And then this person came around and that person didn't have that same definition. And then right. as the interview went on, he's like, wait a minute, I do that every day. You know, right. he, he circled back at the end and said, you know, this is what I do every day. Like, oh, this is what you're talking about. So definitely um, making sure that you get that clarity around what people, you know, people call different things they, the call, same, they use the they same, call the same for five different things all the time, <laughs> all the time. Some, sometimes so, people tell me something. They say, oh, have you ever heard of such and such a term? And I'm like, no. And then when they start explaining, it's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But we call it this. So, right. yeah, absolutely. So, Gilberto, thanks that um, awesome advice, especially the conversational aspect that piece may be missing. So he's happy. Um okay. And Sergi says, great advice on an interview dynamic. Thank you. So I know interviewing is always such a tough, um, you know, a tough part of, of, of the interview, of the process, of the hiring process. Yeah. And then, especially now adding in, Alicia, I don't want to, you know, Go ahead. adding in, um, this, this component now, like the video component, which puts another layer of, I think, you know, nervousness, because it's one thing to now you're looking at yourself on camera and all of that. And so we had a, someone come in a couple of weeks ago and talk about that as well. Um, but go ahead. And there's another question coming in. Oh, I was I was what was I going to say now? <laughs> what you say with the video? It's it when you if they are using Colby as a tool and they've asked you to take a Colby uh, assessment, and then they ask you in for an interview, one of the things that you can rest assured in, in 
that process, because if they did ask you, is that you are already qualified, not just by education or by by um, um, your resume, but also you're in alignment with what they need you to do. So having been called into an interview after doing your Colby assessment, you should feel a lot more comfortable because it'll probably be one of three or five candidates that actually have whittled down to being in that position. So um, I just wanted to say that if they do use it as a hiring tool and then you do get called in for an interview, just know that you're in alignment with what it is. And now it's just a matter of personality and how you click within the team and that kind of stuff to look at the dynamics. That's such a good point. And I and and even without Kobe, so in, in situations where there's either another assessment or there's no assessment, that's another thing to build confidence in people. When you get the interview, you're not proving, you know, on paper you're qualified. So you're already, people, they already like you. They already have already determined did. out of hundreds of people, you're, you know, the five people. We one wanna, of, yeah, you know, we want to see you. So I want people to kind of take a step back and remember that, like getting to the interview in and of itself is a victory. It's a victory. Like it is a huge deal to get it, to get the chance to be in front of this person when two or 300 other people, or how many other people are applying for different jobs did not. So Mm -hmm. that goes to show that while you did, you know, your effort in putting together your resume and all that stuff is working. It's just now kind of getting the interviewing practice down. So someone says here, okay, so Lewis says, thanks for the response. Chris before says, this is very informative. Thank you all. Um, I wanted to go back to, there was a question, Judy, I think it was Judy. Okay, so Judy Wickens asked, how should you explain a break in your resume? And Chris responded to her, um, uh, the truth is usually the best way to do it. So Judy, yeah, I, I would agree with Chris. Chris had written her back and said the truth is the best way to do it. So if you took a break for to take care of, you know, family members or, you know, for some some family related emergency to go back to school, whatever it is, I would just fill in that that space with that. So if there was a gap and it was two years and it's like, what were you doing? What what you want to do, especially with interviewing, I mean, and with resumes in particular, is you want to take out any doubt out of a manager's mind to rule you out. You want to get ruled in and not and not ruled out. So I say to people all the time it, to add in like wherever that gap is. So let's say from this is 2020 and you had a job for two years or whatever, but then there's a gap between 2016 and 2018 where you either started a family or you had to take care of family members or you had a family emergency or something like that. You could just write that in there, you know. Take what about care. if you went to jail? Yeah, that's a that's a, that's that's a whole different, you know, on break on vacation. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole different avenue. Goodness, <laughs> Alicia, call it. I forgot what my student called it. She went to Yale. That's what she said. She Good went to Yale. Goodness gracious! <laughs> I went to Yale for six months. <laughs> We're really turning this into a party. Anyway, um, write whatever that is in like one sentence. You don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to elaborate. You don't have to elaborate. You don't have to elaborate. Just say, you know, took a break for X reason, you know, went back to school, whatever the case is for that, that, that break. So you just want that to be filled in so that they're not questioning why is this person? Why does they have that? Why do they have that gap? 
Steve says, hanging out in Belize, living off your fortune while ziplining through the jungle and drinking coca, coca locos on the beach for a year or two is perfectly legitimate. I agree. 100%. I 100% agree. <laughs> so Jeff Poindexter says, okay, there's a lot of comments in here. Um, Dan Tinsley says, the number one thing I look for is to be authentic and that can be a deciding factor. So that's another, you know, managers say this all the time. They look for passion. They look for authenticity, you know, for you, you know, coming in and being yourself because you don't want to be a different person on an interview and then you get in the job and you're a whole different, you yeah. know, whole different person. Like who wants that? So Dan, thank you for that comment. Thank you so much for these comments. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff says many times at an interview, I feel so confident that I got the job based on my experience and on the spot feedback only to learn shortly thereafter that I didn't get the job. What they HR don't tell you is why. Why? I'm starting to ask them why and I'm shocked most of the time. Yes, it's how you answer the questions. Most of the time it's a problem they have and work itself never based on my personality or experience. I feel they might think I would be boring or we would be bored. I don't really know. Nice to have more results so I can improve. So Jeff, the one thing, okay, there's a couple of different things when it comes to um, responses. You likely will not, you know, whatever it is. It, this, so this is what I tell people all the time. There are so many deciding factors with interviewing with jobs with all different types of stuff, right? So, you know, you could have, um, a situation where companies are interviewing and they have somebody that they know that they want for the job anyway, but they got to go through the interview process. It's unfortunate, but it happens. Um, you could have a situation where, um, for whatever reason, you your your personality you they don't feel that you would be the right fit for the team. That means all different types of things. I'll give you an example. We had a situation. I was working with a company that wanted to hire a person. Um, who was going to be getting rid of, like, pretty much moving, like, downsizing the organization. The, the, we interviewed a ton of people. Some, some of the people, they were really, really, um, you know, nice, very competent, could do the job, everything else. This one person, for lack of better words, was like a hard ass. Like he was just one of these people that he tried to be kind of nice, but we knew like underneath he was not, you know, <laughs> that person. That's the person they wanted for the job because they knew that he was going to yeah. come in and execute and, and do what needed to be done. Whereas somebody else might have been like, oh, you know, I tend to be, oh, well, let's think about this and that or whatever. Like I, I probably wouldn't have been the best fit for that, but this particular person was the right fit. Or if you have, I'll give a different <laughs> example, um, and I know we got to jump soon, um, but in another scenario, I was in a, a, a different company um, and we're hiring and we had two um, really seasoned, really domineering personality uh, people on the team. And we had another opening and the, the person who at the time was interviewing also had this domineering type of personality. So I went back to the leader and said, hey, you know, this person could do the job, no question, but do you want another, <laughs> do you want another person in here to to, to be like fighting? Yeah, just butting heads all day long. Butting heads all day long. So even though that person was the right, she could do the work, no question, she could do the work. 
the manager went with someone else who was ended up being like a perfect fit for the team, less experience, much less experience, also did a great job, but just for the harmony of the team, this person's yeah. fit. So there's so many things that are involved that they cannot come out and tell you, hey, Jeff, you know, you're a really nice guy. We need a mean person or you know, like all of yeah. that. So all I'm saying- there aren't specifics. There's not specifics. There's really not specifics. It's very, very, you know, as much as you try to be objective, it's very subjective. There's so many things. And there's so many just factors going on. Um, you may have a, the, the people like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they have a PhD and they're applying to entry level. And the manager thinks, well, gosh, this person has a PhD. Like, why are they coming? Well, why are they coming? You know, overqualified, you know, or this person was a, was a, a leader, used to manage 50 people. You know, why do they want to come in and be an individual contributor now? They're going to come and take over. You know, yeah, like, so all these preconceived. Pre a lot of stuff going on in people's okay. heads, all this stuff. So all I can say is. A lot is, of biases. Just keep going. Don't worry about why not. You know, just keep, you know, be your be best your self. Be That's your best it. self. Be your best self. That's that's all you can do um, and, and continue. And you'll get to the company that's the right fit for you. Like the for whatever reason, you'll be that fit and they'll be that fit for you and you'll be happy yeah. um, versus some of these other situations. And then at least what Alicia and Chris talked about earlier is you might not be the fit for this role, but a different role that shows up, you could be a fit for that. So exactly. that's my advice when it comes like that. So Chris talks about, <laughs> sounds like having multiple alpha personalities on one team. Yeah, yeah, you can't have like- too much, you can't. And that's one of the things too with, with uh, Colby is team dynamics. We work really, really diligently on team dynamics to make sure that teams are functioning very synergistically and they're, they, we don't have that kind of conflict happening within teams to make sure we bring those mediator people type, type um, strengths in a team so that we have balance and synergy in teams so that we're always productive and not butting heads. Right. So Chris, uh, no, Tony says, no, sorry, Judy, I'm going to go back to Judy. Judy says, um, family matters, but people may question loyalty to the company. So then that's not the right company. So Judy, if they, if, if they are concerned with you taking time off to take care of your family or whatever it is that you have done, and this is, is that the type of manager that you want to work for? You know, if mm -hmm. you're, something happens to grandma and you got to take time off, like, are they going to be flexible? There's tons of companies are built up of people on the inside. And if they are questioning that, then I would say, yeah. it's not the right fit. That, you know, do you want that job? Not the right fit. So, um, because uh, like you said earlier, you're interviewing them too. Don't just make this a one-way street where they're interviewing you to see if you fit. You also interview them and the culture that there is there and the opportunities that's there for you to grow and develop in the, in the organization as well. You want to know that you're going in and that you have growth potential there too. That this isn't like, mm -hmm. you know, there's a glass ceiling and I can't go anywhere from from there, from here. So you want to also be in that position of understanding the, the company, understanding the job, what is management like, what is leadership like, do they train you to be better at your job, you know, find out all those things, what opportunities are there. So are they going to give you time off if something happens um, right. to your family members, you know, you interview them too, like Renee said, you find out what kind of company it is. And yep. if 
if you'll fit into there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm having Fridays. That's important to you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so true. I have a, I, I was interviewing, talking to a lady this earlier this week and she sent the question, what is, what is your company, the company that I'm working with? What are you all doing in terms of COVID-19? How are you supporting your employees? Those are valid questions. I mean, she's spot on. What are the, what, what is the company doing? Them? How mm-hmm. are you protecting your employees? So, um, okay. So Chris says, picking, piggybacking off of my story, I have a, he have seen teams with three or four alpha types um, or type A personalities. And needless to say, it was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be in that. If you're the alpha, you know, you don't want to be with three, four more alphas. Like that's literally dogs barking all day. <laughs> you know, like that's just pure headbutting all day long. And it's, 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 you, know, you think about, Dan totally talks about this totally unproductive. So Dr. Dan comes on on Mondays. He talks about teams. He works with a lot of professional athletes. There's one quarterback. There's one, you know, there's a certain amount of, he talks, he always does the football analogies. I know Angelique is a big football analogy person too. Me too. (laughs) And Alicia too. So, you know, you think about teams just in general and we, we tend to not bring it to the corporate side, but sports teams, you know, you, everybody plays a position. So, this is the same thing. So when you're interviewing, kind of think of it like that, like everyone's kind of playing a specific position and you don't want to be in a situation, even though it it's defeating. I get it. I, I, I mean, I totally get it. You want people, you want them to like you, you want the job, you know, you think it's the right fit for you, all that good stuff. But I am telling you, it is so not about you, although <laughs> it kind of is about you, but it's so, there's so many factors I think I'm just going to do a live stream on like all types of scenarios that happen behind the scenes. I really do. Because I think people are hired. Yeah. This, this like, so So you don't move there blaming yourself or feeling that you're inadequate or you weren't good enough. A lot of times it's nothing about, you know, like when you break up in a relationship and they say, it's not, it's not you, it's me. A lot of times it is them and it's not you it's sometimes so they don't have their stuff together like we talked about earlier about knowing what the position even is yeah. sometimes you don't even have all of that together no, and you they don't want its nest you don't want to walk into a, a a hot mess or something either so true so tony says great stuff but the rules are constantly changing and being written as we go that is the truth tony i agree so um alicia we are at 42 minutes goodness yeah. gracious yeah. Um, so that's why that is really important too. I'm uh, having really tight job descriptions is really important. So those rules don't always, they're not fluctuating all the time and it's not based on preference and, and all of that. Colby right. really re- reduces preferences. It reduces biases. It reduces all of that uh, unless they really have someone in mind for the job already. And regardless of what happens, they're going to hire them anyway. Colby yeah. is really one of those tools that removes all those barriers. So if you want to connect with Alicia, Alicia, how do they, I'll, I'm tagging you in the post. I'm going to tag yeah. you. Um, I've been tagging you in here so they know about you. Um, like, like we said before, um, the Colby has been used. I mean, there's multiple different assessments out there. If you've been around, especially somebody like me in HR, we've done all different types of strengths finders. The, there's one mm-hmm. called Hogan. There's another one. So Alicia is a, yeah, Myers-Briggs, there's a tons of them. So Alicia is focused in the um, Kobe space. If you want to connect with Alicia, I'm going to tag her in here. Is there anything else you want to say, Alicia, before we wrap? 
Just that in response to COVID-19, if there are companies that are reducing labor forces and trying to figure out how to really balance the workforce that they have with the, again, the tasks that need to be done, using Colby to help you streamline that would be very, very effective for you to really get you up and running. And if you're looking to hire new people and hire teams, again, using Colby assessments to help in that hiring process and really drill it down to, to getting the right people for the positions, that is something that my company does for organizations um, to really get you productive quickly instead of trying to figure it all out now that everything's kind of been tossed up in the air and, and trying to find a place to land. Um, so yeah, so they can, they can contact me here on LinkedIn, they can connect with me or go to alicia360.com and connect with me there. Awesome. Well, thank you all, everyone. Thank you so much for this engagement. There's so many, so many awesome questions and comments. Um, and we will see you tomorrow. We have someone coming in. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, thank you so much, Renee, by the way. For absolutely. No, we want to you know, be able to provide this information like for for people, um, especially during right now, like everyone's. Is yeah, so I know. And you can individually take an assessment, too. Don't feel like the company has to give it to you. You can understand your own strengths. You can get coaching around what it is you do best, most distinct, um, instinctively as well. So you can do your Colby. Um, just connect with me to and I can give you some more information about that. Awesome. All right. Thank you, folks. See you all here tomorrow, 11-ish. And I joke around 11-ish because who knows if my, my kids don't let me <laughs> be here exactly at 11. So see you all tomorrow. Bye, Alicia. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Renee. Thanks. Bye. Bye.